heads are bowed, eyes are closed. For a few moments, this moment, meditate on the word Jesus. The name Jesus. pray Father God we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to be in this place with us this morning Lord we know you are here already Lord we ask you to hide me behind the cross and may the words that come forth out of my mouth be the words that you will want me to tell your people open up their ears Lord, help us with our understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I still can say good morning to all of you. It's about a quarter to 12, so it has given me an extra 15 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes to preach. <laughs> Hopefully I won't be there long. <laughs> but as you know, this morning, the pastor asked me to speak on stewardship. And oh, how much we need stewardship. And so I have a three-part sermon this morning. We're going to get a little biblical, a little practical, and a little principles. And then we're going to put it all together and say, Lord, work on me. And at this time, just before we start, I'm going to ask the ushers if they have a piece of paper that has the message from the Treasury and Finance Department. If you have this piece of paper, can you pass it out? And then I'm going to also ask you to pass out a tithe envelope to each and everyone in here. So if each one can get a tithe envelope, because there will be a part as the practical part that you will play. And this lesson, this study this morning will actually be right along with our Sabbath school lesson. Our Sabbath school lesson was about obedience. And we want to be obedient to God's word. Just don't pass them out to the adults. Pass them out to the young people, too, because they need to learn. We need to teach them. And afterwards, have, after you have received them, put them to the side. Don't lose them. 
Put it to the side and open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Put it to the side where you can find it. Don't lick the glue. Don't seal it up. Okay. First Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses one and two, we read in our scripture. This is the biblical side says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You can add man or woman. Be found faithful. As facts would have it, when we study the Bible in its entirety, you will find that over two-thirds of Jesus' parables deal with money and material possession or our attitude toward them. It has been documented that there are well over 2,000 biblical references that deals with this topic. And if you have John, the Baptist tells us, we only have part of what Jesus did. You find it in John 21, 25. So it's obvious to think that God's knowledge about money is very important. Money plays a crucial role, role in our lives. We cannot deal without it. Even God's church has to deal with money. So the issue facing us is not whether or not we deal with money, but whether the level of importance or priority it has in our lives. It is a matter of what we love, a matter of where we will focus our passion. The question comes, what is your passion? What motivates and drives your life? Though these are not easy questions to answer, they reflect only two contrasting fo forces that shape our life and character. Jesus said in Mark 12, 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then Paul, warns his friends Timothy in 1 Timothy 16, for the love of money is a root of all kind of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. So let's talk about the money. What do we start with? the biblical part. How do we deal with money since we cannot get away from it? The starting point should be where God starts. In Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first thing that the Bible established about God is that he is the creator of heaven and earth 
And this forms a foundation for everything else the Bible says about him, about who we are, and about how we should relate to him. The fact that God is the creator of heaven and earth means that everything belongs to him. This is precisely why David wrote in Psalms 24, 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord in all its fullness, in the world and those who dwell therein, for he had founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Stop and think of what would change if this concept of God's ownership became a reality in our thinking. How would our priorities be different? Will we choose to use our time differently? Will we place greater importance on relationships? Will we give God more time? Will we change the way we think or the way we act? We cannot truly accept God as owner unless we learn to trust him. Only when we experience the treasures of God's love and grace can we deal correctly with material possession or treasures. Without the security of a personal walk with God, we will seek security on our own. In this materialistic world, we will search for security in money or in that which money can buy. But regardless of how much we have, security eludes us. For money is always temporary, and what it buys rapidly wastes away. The wise man Solomon said, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Find that in Ecclesiastes 5.10. And we know that's true. How many, when things went down back in 2006, how many millionaires or billionaires committed suicide because they lost a couple millions? Money cannot buy happiness. And it definitely can't buy your way to heaven. The true value of money only can be seen in the context of God's kingdom. Money is only a tool or symbol. For instance, 30 pieces of silver purchased Judas' portrayal of his master. 30 pieces of silver. $52.80 was given to Judas. On the other hand, two mites demonstrated the relationship of faith and trust of a lonely widow whose only support was God she had learned to worship. Find that in Mark 12, 42, 44. The pieces of silver were cast back at the feet of those who had rejected the Savior. The two mites, however, continued to simulate endless gifts of grace and love. Money we invest in this world ultimately passes away. But what we invest in God's kingdom stores up treasures for eternity. Those two mites, believe it or not, added up to one quarter of a penny. Does that mean that we should give all our money to God? <laughs> of course not. It already belongs to him. What it means is that we recognize that every part of our life becomes an act of worship as we manage God's assets in the different dimensions of his kingdom. For example, tithe becomes recognition of who God is and who we are. Offering becomes acts of worship and praise, celebrating experiencing experience grace and the wonder of God who provides for all our needs. And what we invest in supplying the needs of our family is also an act of worship as we care for those God has put in our immediate trust. The key issue here 
is attitude. The key issue here is attitude. One approach says that we are the owner. I went out and worked. I earned this money. This is my money. I do what I want to do with it. Have we ever said that? Did we also find out there was holes in our pocket when we went to look for the money when we did it our way? The other joyful confess our dependence on God as owner of all. If we do not recognize God as the owner of the money he placed in our hands to manage, then the money begins to own us. This is why God made a contrast in the context of whom or what we serve. Matthew 6, 24 says, you cannot serve both God and money. So how do we manage our money? Influence. How do we manage our money? Influence our relationship with God. Our checkbooks, credit cards, our bank statements are the constant diary telling the story of how we make God the priori priority of our lives. Do we allow our means and security to come into our walk with God? Or do we seek them in our ability to accumulate and use the wealth of material possession for our own purposes? Who or what will be the God in our lives? Who or what have won the passion of your heart? Is it money or is it God? Let's bring it home. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the 17th chapter. Say you can be writing, you can be putting down the wrong stuff. Okay. Hmm. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Didn't put everything down. But what it says is this. When you come before God, don't come before God empty. Did you hear me? In other words, do not come before God empty. When we love God the way we say we do, and he has effect on our lives, then we should come before him with an offering. And as Christians, we have the responsibility and opportunity to be stewards in many areas. For example, helpful living is really just stewardship of our bodies, which are and is the temple of God. Find in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. But we are also stewards of the gospel, which we find in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, our scripture for the morning. We are also stewards of our time, stewards of our talent, and abilities in our God-given gifts. And we also are stewards of this earth. But for the purpose of this lesson this morning, while keeping the big picture of stewardship in mind, we will focus primarily on the stewardship of our resources, money, money, and more money. Pause for a moment and consider how much our society focus its attention around money. How to get more, 
how to invest it, and how to spend it. Money is equated with success and power, with recognition and position, with accomplishment and importance. Money competes for our interests, our time, and our energy. It easily distracts us from important priorities. When we add God to the picture, Jesus contrasts the competing power of money by stating, no man can serve two masters, for either he hate one and love the other. You cannot serve God, your money, your wealth, and your riches. Jesus further states in Matthew 6, 23, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Then that tells us, what did that tell us? Basically, that our first challenge is to grow spiritually. Say it again. Our first challenge is to ourselves, not somebody else, but to ourselves is to grow spiritually. Get to know Jesus for yourself. Mama, daddy, uncle, nephew, sister, whatever, is not going to get you in the kingdom. And you're not going to skirt in there on their coattails. You have to know Jesus for yourself. So that our giving will be an extension of our faith walk with God. Did you understand that? When you have a relationship with God and Jesus as your personal Savior, your giving will be an extension of that faith walk with God. Giving without a faith relationship cannot be worshiped. Giving based on something else than the faith relationship and the living God of the creator of this world with the insurance of salvation becomes a false worship. We must understand, matter of fact, go with me to Matthew. Go with me before I Matthew, the 28th chapter. Twenty-eighth chapter, verses eighteen through twenty. Matthew the twenty-eighth chapter, verses eighteen through twenty. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them. We like to run. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Teaching them. Just can't tell someone, pay tithe. Give a free will offering. Teach them the reason why, the importance of it. We must understand clearly that only the Holy Spirit has the right to convict people regarding their giving, and only God can create the desire, and when he does, he gives the power and the desire to follow through on that conviction. Let us remember that God is the owner partner. We are the managing partners. Everything belongs to God, and we manage his investment in partnership with him. Now take this at heart. Open your heart up. Open your ears up now. In addition, we can help the Holy, let me put it this way, we can help the work of the Holy Spirit. I did not say take over. We help the work of the Holy Spirit 
by providing accurate information. We have to provide the correct information. Just like the Revelation seminar. You're missing something, you want to know the truth, attend. You cannot walk out knowing nothing and teaching something. In today's world, with the economy and the state that it's in, we all are holding on to that last nickel, that last dime. Now, I've been watching that gas pump. It's a little lower where we are. Couple cents. But when I used to go to the gas tank, I'm going to outdate myself, $20 used to fill my tank up. 30-something gallon, you know, it was only 21 cents. But today I take $20 down there. I might get four and a half gallons of gas. And when, depending on what type of gas it is, calling my wife knows because they work for Chevron. I don't know if it's winter gas, spring gas, or summer gas. <laughs> or fall gas. It runs out real quick. <laughs> it runs out real quick. So my trip back and forth to Oakland, where it used to cost me $20, may cost me $50 just to come. So that's why you see me in my wife's little four banger. And if I can get my daughter to sit still, you'll see me on my motorbike. <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's a waste. You know, it, it costs too much. There was someone on my wife's job that asked her, that told her, you know, our preacher said, you can pay tithe by, you know, your time, uh, spending time doing, you know, something good and different things. But then I told her, well, you go tell her, go fill her tank up and tell the, the gas station that you're going to spend some time around their gas station. In other words, the Lord knows what time we're living in. He asked for our resources. In other words, he, but he wants us to, to provide correct and accurate information. In today's world, again, with the economy and the state that it's in, what is unknown, misunderstood, or hidden is automatically suspect. Now here go your turn. You have a tithe envelope. This is the practical part. You make our life much easier. All of those who count money, raise your hand. All the counters in the church. Okay. Look around. Look at the counters. And again, as Sister... Harris stated earlier, we want to thank you for your giving. Although we are small in number, the Lord just take that little bit because it's from the heart. And he multiplies it. The tithe envelope is just an envelope. But what you put in there is much more. It can be the two mites. It can be two pennies. If it's from your heart, the Lord takes those two pennies and it becomes four. It becomes six. What we're asking in the practical part of this is that when you fill out your tithe envelope, the first thing on there you see is name. We're asking, and if you have a problem, 
there are those who will assist you in writing down your name. Sometimes we get envelopes that we cannot read the name. Now, if you've been coming here for the past year, then you are in our system. Only thing I need is your name. But if I cannot read your name, it slows my process down of posting to the correct name. So we're asking you to take your time and make sure your writing is not like mine. It's hard if I start writing, I cannot read my writing. And I have seen some beautiful handwriting in this church. I say these, these sisters, they're up in age, and boy, they write better than what I do. Beautiful handwriting. But there are some you still have to remember. If you have a problem jot, jotting down your name, there are folks here who will come and say, put my name on it. So it'll be correct. Now, we know also that the Lord asked for how much of our tithe? How much to return what? On the net or the gross? On the gross. Lord tells us to return 10% on the gross. In other words, if you have a salary of making 2000 a month, you get paid bi-weekly, you get a check with the gross of $1,000 every two weeks, but you only net 700, you return on the 1,000. That's the 10%. And then God will bless and multiply the 90% you have left over. Also, along with that, I got my notes down here. When you, we give an offering, give an offering from your heart. Even your free will offering, give an offering from your heart. It's your, again, what we read before, your relationship with God. If the Lord has blessed you, then give a free will offering from the heart. We have the church budget. And I have to say, we have been good on the church budget. When we, Sister Jean and I, we go up and we pay the bills, and we say, oops, there's plenty of money to pay the bills, I can just sit back and say, praise the Lord. I say, the folks are still giving despite the times that we are living in. They're still faithful. Building fund. You'll begin to see work on this building. So remain faithful because the Lord gives you a choice. Sabbath school expense. You have your Sabbath school material. And every time you put something in Sabbath school expense, you are blessed with a Sabbath school lesson. You're blessed with other material. You just need to come to Sabbath school. That's all. Because we got good teachers. Come to Sabbath school. Have a connection with Christ with each other. Because right now, I'm thing you can say is amen. That's all. But in Sabbath school, at least we can have a conversation back and forth. Then on your tithe envelope, you have other, other, other. You also have at the bottom world mission. Now, about world mission that goes to the conference. Sabbath school expense stays at home. I believe in the mission field. 
all over the world. But I also believe in the mission field here at the Elmhurst Church in East Oakland or wherever you may live is also a mission field. Sabbath school expense stays home. Mission offering goes to the conference. There's other things that people put down and like birthday thank offering or thank offering or some other offering. Well, when you put those offerings down, those offerings will go to the conference, sadly to say. But if you want your money to stay here in the house, what you have to write on the envelope, birthday thank offering, poor fun. Or, you know, blessing, poor fun. It stays in the house. But when you send, we send, if you look at the board, let's take a look, if you can see the board, it says, Sabbath school offering goes 700. 13 Sabbath offering. Well, 13 Sabbath offering, mission offering, birthday thank offering, um, investment, all of that goes to the conference. And what they do is they put it in one bowl. You mark on there all these where you want it, but they all put it all in one big bowl. And then they have a chart. Just get this percentage, just get that percentage, and so on and so on. What we're asking you, if you want your gift offering, your birthday thank offering, or whatever it may be, you might be celebrating um, your marriage, 50 years of marriage, you want to get $50, you know, put poor fun. In other words, it stays in the house. Our poor fund, believe it or not, helps people. It helps even our saints at Elmhurst Seventh-day Adventist Church. And then we ask that when you fill out your tithing envelope, say a prayer. that your money will go forth in finishing the work of God. Don't sit it in selfishly. And then sometimes we, and it's natural, the amount, the total amount, is put down incorrect. Learn to double check. I know we used to do it over and over. One and one is two. But the thing is, learn to double check your addition. It'll help us when we are counting your money to come out with the correct amount. This piece of paper here tells you the many departments that we have. Now, if you don't see that, you want, you want to donate money to a department, put it on your tithe envelope. One of the ones that we still kind of confused on, many of us, is the music department. We still have the Golden Age, uh, the Children's Choir, EIC, and I believe there's another choir. It, it has been combined into one department. So you don't have to be putting on, put, put the children's choir on the envelope. Just put music department. And it will go into the music department where they all get together when it's time for something and divvy it up. Save yourself that problem. But other accounts on this piece of paper these are the open accounts of the church. And if God, you know, impressed upon your heart to give with the help of the Holy Spirit, 
then from time to time, we're asking you to give to these departments. And God will truly bless you. For Malachi says, return unto me, and I will return unto you. Also says, prove me now herewith. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that you will not have enough room to receive. And we mustn't have enough room because we're here this morning. Every one of us woke up. If you woke up with the alarm clock, well, good for you. But if you woke up because Jesus stopped by, so you have to have a relationship. Who wakes you up? Who put food on your table? Who gives you the strength to go out to your job from day to day? And then God, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, well, Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruit of all thy increase. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, For God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, if you said about your tithe and your offering when you're giving, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Keep it. Keep it. And then there's one more thing I want to encourage you to do. Many of us pay by checks. And there's a section on your check that says memo or for what you're writing a check out for. And many of you write down tithe and offering. Do you know how many hands, touches, and eyes see your check after each deposit? Do you really know? Believe it or not, you are witnessing to others because we have in turn have received tithe from people who have never stepped inside this church. So when you pay your tithe with a check, and on there you write tithe and offering, you are witnessing. Look at Acts 1-8 when you have a chance. Acts 1-8, it tells you the uttermost parts of the world. This is a way of witnessing. As Bible-believing Christians, we do not give because we have too much. We give in response to experience grace and in thanksgiving for God's blessing. It is an act of worship. The primary purpose for tithe and offering is to give glory to God by helping others or making contributions to advance his cause. When our hearts are right, we worship God each time we return our tithe and offering to him. Tithing is a worship experience that accepts our relationship with God, acknowledging him as creator and owner of who we are and what we have. Tithing should remind us of his redemption power that restores God's ownership in our lives. When we tithe, we consciously profess our trust in God to care and provide for us. When we tithe, we confess he is, our, he is in our lives and recognize his guidance and love. When we tithe, we deliberately choose to rely on him. When we tithe, it is a sign of our willingness to manage what God, what, to manage what belongs to God in all our life. The Bible states that the tithe is holy and belong to God. 
all the tithe of the land is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27.30. It goes on to say Leviticus 20.26. 20, it says, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Understanding tithe in this way leads us to realize that the tithe is holy, unique, and different. It belongs to the Holy One. When we handle God's money, we are handling that which is holy. We need to maintain full integrity, integrity, full disclosure, full openness, and full accountability. With the offerings, the motive is more important than the amount. We need to give as the Holy Spirit convicts and give with no strings attached. In closing, I'm within that hour. This is how tithing becomes an experience of joy reflecting on our relationship with God. I'll say it again. This is how tithing becomes an experience of joy reflecting on our relationship with God. When we bring this intimate partnership into the material areas of our life, we realize that everything we are, everything we have, belongs to him. Don't miss out on your blessing that God has waiting for each and every one of us. Go to Proverbs 10, 22. Last text for the day. Proverbs 10, 22. Everyone have it? What does it say? Read it together. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he added, no sorrow with it. You're not rich because you have a bunch of cars in the driveway. A bunch of suits lying all through the closet. You're not rich because you have a large bank account. You're rich when you do what the Lord asks you to do. May God bless us and continue to bless us, not only in our giving, but the returning of our tithe. Continue to give. The Lord will continue to bless. May God bless you. Elder White for a timely sermon of, um, of giving. For what is the profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Jesus said that. So thank you very much. At this time, we'll all stand for the benediction. Shall we all stand, please? Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you for sitting with us, speaking to us about stewardship. Father, you, in your word you said, for what a profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses soul. We don't want to lose our soul, Father. So we ask that you be with us. We thank you for the sermon. We ask that you be with us. We ask, thank you for the jobs that you provide for us, Father and help us to uh, pay attention next time we uh, pay our tithe and offerings and help us to be better stewards, I pray. 
I pray for each person here today, Father, that you would give us peace and understanding, provide us wisdom, Father, and help that what we give, that it will multiply and further thy gospel throughout the land. Now be with each one of us as we go our separate ways. Bring us back once again, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated.